You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Welcome into Rick and Travis Unsupervised, brought to you by Oneness Ministries, a grace-based, hope-filled, spirit-led counseling and life coaching ministry. To learn more, go online to oneness-ministries.org. Hello, everybody. Guess what time it is again? Hola. It is time. Oh, that got Yeah. (laughs) It's time for Rick. And Travis. Unsupervised, which is not, it's not healthy. Mm, That's not safe. Debatable. Safe as a vague word. Safe as a vague word. Guess what I got? Um, I don't even know. There's too many possibilities. We bought, um, my pillows. Oh yeah, are they are they amazing as they're supposed to be? Or um, mine was, uh, you know, I I tend not to believe all the hype, and I fell asleep right when I got my pillow out of the little box. I hope we weren't driving. <laughs> no. no, that's what people say in, in his ads. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I fell right to sleep just when it arrived at the house. I went to sleep. <laughs> The mailman dropped it off and I just <laughs> went to sleep. Drop right there. Yeah. So I got, we got them out and you have to, you have to put them in the dryer for 15 minutes <laughs> because they're compressed. They, they pack them and they're compressed. Yeah. So you take them out of all the packing, all the plastic bags, throw them in the dryer for 15 minutes and they come out and mine, I, I, I wanted a sort of a thicker. I, yeah. I, I like to have my head elevated. So I got the thick one and she got the soft one. What's what's the opposite of soft? Hard. 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 <laughs> it's yes. a harder pillow. So um went to bed last night and I went right to sleep. Wow. Which is really, really unusual for me. Hmm. I may have to look into this. I don't I don't know. I don't I'm a wrinkler, like I bunch up the pillow because yeah. I like sometimes, depending on my position, yeah. I like it different levels. I think there might be magic. Involved in these pillows. Well, I guess that's okay. Yeah, because I, I was out. I may look so, into that. We really, because I do need some new pillows. Oh, there, it's, uh, she, Lori likes a flat pillow. She likes to, she likes a flat pillow. These are not flat pillows. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of changing. Yeah, but she said, I think I can get used to this, but I, you know, honestly, honestly, I, I'm going to give it some more time, but right now I think I'm falling in love <laughs> Just with it. Just to make sure you aren't <laughs> incredibly tired. Yes. We'll yeah. see what it does tonight. Yeah. So, but uh, they're kind of expensive. Are they? Yeah. Maybe I'm not going to get them then. They're like $35 a piece. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. They were on sale, so. Well, then might as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm a sucker for that. <sighs> Me too. Well, you know, I wanted to, kind of wanted to support Mike Lindell. He's been under a lot of, yeah, because you know he comes he comes out came out in support of Trump and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and they were, they're trying to put him out of business. Yep. Yeah, that's sad. Yep. So we bought pillows. We we made some mercy purchases. Well, that's what I'll tell Candy then. Yep. Just trying to help out. So I do have a topic today. Okay. Um, you were in the military. I was. Specifically the Marines. Yes. What was your favorite part of that? 
Is there a favorite? Was there a part of it that you go, gosh, I really love doing this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> will you tell us what it is? Um, there, well, there was a lot. Uh, obviously, the toys we got to play with were, oh. that was pretty cool. Grown-up toys? <clears throat> Grown-up toys. They still, though, early on, they could take the fun out of any of that. But a little bit later. Um, well, initially, I guess boot camp is designed to yeah, break you that's down. That's no fun. Yeah. Even when you got to shoot, that was no fun still. Um, but, yeah, no later. Um, it was a lot of fun. And my job was, I was a scout observer, so calling in large explosions and things, that was fun. Um, but I mean the, I am a social person. I like to be around people, uh, preferably people I like, but, um, I like to be around people. And so, I mean, we, I lived in a Humvee for a week, two, three weeks sometimes with my scout team or whatever. And, uh, slept in it. Well, when it was pouring down rain, yeah, we got rained on one time for like four or five days straight. Wow. But other than that, no. Then you just, just sleep in, sleep somewhere else. You weren't. I think the official rules are you're not supposed to sleep in or around the vehicles in case they make my target or something that or slip gear and roll or whatever. But we we did a lot. Um, um, other than that, then no, you kind of go off and sleep in the grass or somewhere. Actually, I did have a favorite spot on top of the, one of our trailers had a canvas top. We'd keep our cami netting and mm. stuff in. Um, it had a canvas top on it. And when it was all tightened down, you could crawl on top between the little ribs and mm -hmm. the trailer. It was like a little comfy little hammock up there. Wow. And then someone I didn't know, didn't know I was up there, and they opened the back, and I went right down between. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, but being with, I didn't mind being with guys like that. Um, I enjoyed it, kind of preferred it, I guess, for the most part. Um, I enjoyed the, the camaraderie and the, um, I mean, just the, just hanging out and talking. Um, I enjoyed all of that. That was probably one of the, my favorite, one of my favorite parts. Make it all down to it, the little adrenaline rushes and toys and all that stuff's the obvious stuff. But I think the the hanging out with people and the relationships and all that was probably my my favorite favorite part. Now, now I was not in the military. Um, I I graduated from high school during the Vietnam era. It's not a good time to join the military. No, nope. so I was I was A one draft status. So I decided to join the Navy and avoid infantry. Mm -hmm. And so I went to join the Navy, and it turns out I had a hernia, and it changed. And they said, "Well, we'll take you and fix it, or it will change your draft status." So. <laughs> Like, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take what's behind door number two. Yeah. So I didn't have to go. Um, yeah. And sometimes I I regret not having the, that experience with the guys, hanging out with 
you know, I, I, you, it's easy to fantasize about that stuff and make it not real. It's romanticized. Yeah, romanticized. So yeah. And so, it is. But sometimes I regret not. Well, and this is actually a segue into a, like, to something else. Uh, two days ago, a good friend of mine that I served with committed suicide. And it's something that. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Just, well, I appreciate it. It's just. And I, uh, no one that I directly served with, that I was close to, um, has committed suicide. But I've known guys that I was friends with that have, um, and I've known a lot of guys that I knew through the service. Or um, one guy I, I'd gotten really close friends with. He was a Marine also, but I didn't serve with him. But afterwards, we became close and. Um, he, we talked to him for a long time before he, I thought we were good and um, he didn't say anything about hurting himself, but as soon as we got off the phone, he went and hung himself. So it's something that really sucks. Um, and that's the part that is not the whole romanticized service and war thing. That's the stuff that's not, it's what happens afterwards. Um, it's just not, uh, and we've talked about this in past episodes that, uh, military is really good at preparing you for mm -hmm. service, but they're not good at preparing you for what happens afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's just frustrating is what it is. And I get it. I mean, I was there. Yeah. I, I was there at one point, and it was uh, some vets that helped me. You know what I remember about your story is when you did try, ended up in the hospital, and the nurse that mm -hmm. stayed there with you. Tell us, tell us that story again. I think you've told it, but tell it again. Yeah, there was, well, it was on one of my detox stints uh it was actually the last one um and things had gotten bad again and a nurse that took her shift came on and they're like oh her husband was a marine and you're like oh okay and you hear that all the time sure oh that's cool well she came back to talk to me and uh it had turned out i mean i was there for alcohol uh and detox and had almost lost everything again and we're actually not even really got it back, but I um, was going to treatment again and she came in and was telling me and her husband, I was asking about her husband and he had the same MOS, the same job as mine, which it's not, there wasn't a lot of people who had Marine Corps small. My job was smaller. So it wasn't a lot. I mean, I think there's 13 guys in my class and it's a, Three three month class, and that's about average class size. So there's not a whole lot of guys. He had my job, same place as me in Iraq. Um, places there's a lot similar about us. He was just a few years ahead, and I was talking to her, and I was like, well, "That's really neat." And his name was Trevor. I remember that. And I said, uh, "Well, what's what's Trevor doing now?" Uh, and she said, well, he came home and uh, had a rough time and 
started having issues with alcohol and took his own life. And it just hit me that, because I had tried to do that a year before, and stuff was heading that way again, it seemed like. But it hit me that this guy is not getting another chance. Mm -hmm. And I am. And his wife is there. They had kids. His wife is there working for her and the kids and, you know, trying to make the best of it. And she was just in such a good spot. I mean, she was crying. She was sitting on one of the hospital beds, and I was sitting on the other one in my room, and she was crying, and I was crying. But she was in a, a, at a point to it where she was using it um, to try to help. She was very supportive um, and very encouraging. Um, and it was just a good, it's something that I real. It, it's just one of the situations where all of it together, it was not a coincidence, I don't believe. Right. Um, so yeah, there is, and looking back, that's what, looking back, you see God in all of it. It's when you're in it. Because I don't, maybe this, this is where I'm going to, um, ask the counselor. But was it Moses, I think, who was praying to see God? And he said, no, but I'll pass over you and cover you with my hand. And yes. then you'll see my backside. Yeah, Mr. Moses on the mountain. And to me, that's such a picture of, I mean, I never saw him working. But afterwards, I could always go, oh, that was you. Mm. And, wow. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I see, I, I see him a lot. I mean, when I was remember praying years before I got sober, praying, just take this from me. But I wasn't truly ready. And if he would have just snapped his fingers and healed me, I would not be, I would not have learned what I've learned today. I wouldn't have the life I have today. You know, my my addiction, and I sh I, I'm not ashamed or not afraid, there's a lot of shame in my addiction, but with pornography. Mm-hmm. And it's it is a love hate relationship with yeah. this addiction, um, and I remember, and it hadn't been that long ago, maybe eight years ago. I remember praying, said, "God, I hate this. Take it away, take it away, please take it away." Mm -hmm. And I heard God say, "No, you're not ready." Yeah, and that was devastating. It was devastating. Sometimes I, sometimes I would have rather been addicted to um, heroin. Yeah. Than pornography because pornography is so shame ridden. I, I'm I'm sure in your addiction with the alcohol, there's a lot of shame and guilt and. Uh, well, not if you drink enough, <laughs> you don't feel anything. Sorry. Fair enough. That seemed bad. No, okay. that's fair because <laughs> that's kind uh, of why you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and there's also an escape in, yeah, in pornography totally. as well. Yeah. yeah. That's <clears throat> all of it's similar. Yeah, but I, I remember being devastated, and then two or three years later, um, he said, you're free. You're free from it. And the truth is, he said, you're not only free now, but you were free back then. Mm -hmm. You just didn't believe it. Right. Yeah, I read something. I don't know where I heard it. I had it written down, and it's too. it makes too much sense for me to have come up with. But I didn't, I don't know where I, where I heard it, but I, I just found it written in my stuff. You know, something like where God, uh, 
unshackled us a long time ago, but he didn't unshackle us so that we could do good works on our own. He unshackled us so we could hold his hand. Amen. And uh, that's what we, we just look down and realize. And then, okay, now I'm not going to go run and start trying to do this on my own. Um, because both of us have proven that you can't. Yeah, a lot. I had to prove myself, <laughs> to prove that to myself a lot. Yeah, I, I'd be too. I could not overcome no. that addiction. I, I don't know if I've told you what I told God in the chapel <laughs> when my, uh, and I had proven it to myself. I remember making the decision, okay, I'm going to pray and read every morning. I'm going to seek God every morning. No matter what I feel like, I'm going to do it. And I felt good at first, but then I stopped feeling that warm, fuzzy feeling and mm-hmm. stopped feeling good about it. Like, you know, feeling, having a good feeling. And the lie hit me, and I was like, oh, no, it's true. I have hardened my heart past the point of redemption. Like, it's true. He's mad and doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And then the words of the counselors of the treatment center I was at hit me where if you're mad at God, tell him about it. He's big enough to handle it. And that communication is the key. So I hit my knees and I said, God, okay, maybe it's true. Maybe you are done with me and I've ruined it. Maybe you don't want to have anything to do with me, but I'm going to annoy the shit out of you the rest of my life because I've got <laughs> nothing else to try. I literally said that. I was you, like, I've got no You say the word shit in your prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I told God I'm going to annoy the shit out of him because I've got nothing else. Yeah. Uh, See, those are my words exactly. I, but I, then the thought hit me. Yeah, it was God, not the thought. Yeah, your feelings aren't my reality. Yes, and that truth. It was more than a thought in His voice. That truth hit my heart. Yeah. Um, and then like, if you always had a warm, fuzzy feeling every time we talked, I wouldn't need faith. I wouldn't need, and it would still be me if I'm in the right position or saying the right things or doing this, and I'm. I'm replacing God with the drug or alcohol right then right. again. So, yeah, your feelings aren't good indicators of how close you are to God. No, because the truth is, you are as close to God right now as you ever will be. Yeah, you can't get any closer than you are right now. Yeah, and I think this is just an initial thought. This may be really wrong, but so far in my life, I'll point it out if it is. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm depending on that. So far in my life. The only good feelings, I mean, besides it being nice when you have good feelings, that's nice, but the indicators are negative feelings. Good feelings are just, hey, I like this. I'm glad this is happening. The only good thing that's an indicator to me that I need to pay attention to or depend on is a negative feeling. Because if I feel negative, there's something, usually I'm not giving something to God. can usually be whittled down all the way to that. I'm not trusting him with something. I'm either scared I'm worried, I'm stressed, I'm mad, which that usually goes to being scared, but it's a negative feeling that I'm feeling. What we, so. what we call that is a trigger, and triggers are different. Yeah. I mean, your negative feelings are a trigger to you mm-hmm. that something um, is not where it's supposed to be. Or right. What, right. However you want to say that. A red flag. Yeah. I, my triggers are visual things. I mean, I can watch a, I can watch a television commercial and have that trigger happen where I want to go look at pornography. Mm, Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I have those, too. I'm sure everybody does, yeah. Yeah. I have, um, there's, I mean, because I had, I 
pills were a big problem for me also. So we used to, I mean, driving by pharmacies and stuff. Mm. I haven't, I don't have, I really haven't had a, thank God it's kind of been, I don't really have a, I'm sure, and I don't want to, I'm kind of nervous to say it out loud. I haven't had a lot of issues and triggers uh, for a little while now. But I know that even if I do, that doesn't, again, my feelings aren't reality. So. My addiction never goes away. How about yours? Nope. The draw to my addiction never goes away. I think that's what, it fits too well to not be what Paul was talking about when he talked about the thorn in his uh-huh. flesh. It just fits too well. Because in God saying my my power is made perfect in your weakness and all that. It just fits. I mean, Paul may have been talking about a literal thorn, I, uh, but I think he was. We don't know, but right. yeah. It just fits too perfect. It, yeah. It is my thorn. It is my thorn. So, and, I have to depend on God not to go back into that addiction. Mm-hmm. I have to. Yep. Otherwise, I'm gone. Yep. And it's a blessing. Yep. I remember first get, getting into meetings and people being like, I'm a grateful alcoholic. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I get it now. I get it too. Hey, if you guys want to talk about this, go to onenessministries.org. Did I say that right? Oneness-ministries.org. <laughs> and give us, look us up. Give us a talk call. Thank you, Travis. Thanks, Rick.